This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Greetings, humans. You have entered the Command Zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Dana dana da, dana dana da, dana dana da, na 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 na, dana dana na, na 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 na, na 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 na. Okay, let's just go to the course. Dana dana na, fire your work. Come on, chat up, Come on, show them what you're worth. Make them go. Oh, oh, oh. There's a shoot across the sky. across the sky. You know, because on New Year's, there's fireworks, everybody. That's right. That's right. How's it going, everybody? You are listening and watching the Command Zone podcast. This year, or this episode, we are not actually in the studio because... Uh, Josh is at the office, and I'm at home in Seattle because it's the new year, and it's holiday break. Yes. This oh, yeah. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. <laughs> oh, yeah. How's it? It's Josh and Kwai. This will be our final episode of 2017. So, yep. you know, if you missed the release date by just a couple of days, then you'll be listening to it in 2018. So, happy new year. Wow. How is it in the future? Pretty sweet. I, I, I'm assuming it's sweet. Um <laughs> And given that it is going to be the new year, we thought that it would be correct for us to take a look back at 2017. It's been a big year for the command zone. So we'll be reflecting yeah. on everything that happened in the last year and also taking a look at the future and what 2018 holds. Very exciting. But before we get into it, let's talk about our sponsors for the show who have been with us all year long, I might add. Cardkingdom.com slash command zone. Hey, you know, I'm always celebrating Card Kingdom on this show. And for good reason, we have only, I mean, like, straight up, we've only received praise for Card Kingdom, what they've done, customer service, shipping speed, everything that you want in a company that's going to deliver you cards, uh, Card Kingdom has. And, of course, anytime a new product comes out, anytime you want singles, a great place to go. So make sure you use our affiliate link when you do, cardkingdom.com slash command zone. Yep, and Rivals of Ixalan is coming right up, so now is the time to pre-order all of that product. Jimmy and I have, uh, spoiler alert, had a chance to get our hands on the set a little bit, and it is pretty sweet. Something else that's pretty sweet is our other sponsor. It's Ultra Pro. <laughs> you know, they make all of the themed products that go along with the sets. So for Rivals of Ixalan, they've got playmats, they've got deck boxes, they've got sleeves, all that stuff that you can really bling out your decks and make sure that the theme stays pure. So make sure to buy Ultra Pro products as another way to support the show. And the final way to support the Command Zone and Game Nights is directly at patreon.com slash command zone. In fact, we call out one lucky patron every single episode. Ooh. And this this episode is dedicated to... All of 2017 is dedicated to... Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Daniel, Daniel Moriarty. Moriarty. Hope Moriarty. it's synced up because we're on Skype and we'll have no idea, but sure. <laughs> sure. It seemed like it was Skyped. I mean, it was synced up. Um, wow. Yeah. All of 2017 was uh, evidently uh, t- dedicated to Daniel 
Well, that's just for me. Josh just dedicated the episode. Oh, so yeah. Uh, um. He wasn't willing to, to, to dedicate, haha, as much as I was. <laughs> I'm not All as right. dedicated. Yeah, no, there it is. That's the joke. I couldn't find it. Uh, <laughs> I right, got so you. our main topic today is the 2017 year in review. Now, we did this last year as well, but it's a great way for us to look back and see what episodes. Uh, also, like, for instance, let's say you missed some episodes. Let's say you want to know which ones are the best ones to listen to for X, Y, or Z. It's a great way to find out where to start, also what cards we spoiled, and we're going to do a best of 2017 at the end and look forward to the future. So We might have some fun little behind-the-scenes stories about certain episodes, too, that we might find interesting. I mean, I, mean, I find it interesting. Yeah, I think sure. we can throw that in there, if we can think of any. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, let's um, start it off. Our first episode of 2017 was episode 140, and we previewed Rishkar's Expertise, and we deck-teched what is Josh's new favorite deck to play. Or exciting. It, did I say that was my favorite deck to play at that moment? Probably. Uh, not, maybe not at that moment, but it has clearly become your favorite deck since, right? Um, is this the Rishkar deck that I played? No, 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 no. This is your uh, your Vile Smasher deck because we just played it on we played it on the game nights right after. Oh yes, uh, uh, still my favorite actually. So <laughs> it's it remains my favorite for the entirety of 2017. That's actually kind of crazy. That is pretty crazy. Um, Rishkar's expertise too is also a very powerful card. I've only seen it resolved a few times, but it is impactful every time it does hit the battlefield. Uh, so I'm happy. I'm pretty happy with that one. Yeah, I think that's yeah that's definitely one of our better spoiler cards. It's. It goes in a lot of my green decks. It's going to draw you a card and put something out onto the battlefield. So it's not like you only drew cards. You actually can impact the board too. So pretty good card. Pretty good indeed. Speaking of that game nights. So January 2nd was our second episode of game nights. Game nights number two. Now that's a little bit weird because it's actually our third episode because the pilot episode was called out of the box. It wasn't titled game nights. Um, But we played two games. If you remember in the old days, we used to sort of cut the games a little bit tighter and as a result, we would play multiple games on the same episode. Um, we've since gone to one game per episode, but we actually sort of don't cut the game so tight and we don't skip things like we used to so that you get literally every action that happens in the game now where you sort of used to miss some stuff. Anyway. A lot of stuff, actually. Yeah. Just to, get, just to fit it in time. People used to be like, what about this? What about this? What about this? And, you know, I'd be like, well, we just cut it so that the game would only take 15 minutes. But now we kind of show all that stuff. It's still cut quickly. But we spent a little bit more time than we used to. Anyway, in that episode, we had Alex Kessler from the Masters of Modern, and we had Craig Blanchett, uh, Mr. Infect there. And the first game, Kessler, it looks like, comboed off with Birthing Pod uh, using Karmic Guide and Revelark and Murderous Redcap and an Ashnault's Altar, I believe. Basically, he just looped Murderous Redcap a million times and uh, comboed us out. He actually originally started by doing Solemn Simulacrum first, so he would draw his entire deck. And he tapped his mana really weirdly, so he only had one white or one green available. But he used a Liliana to discard Murderous Redcap into the graveyard, and from there was able to reanimate it with a Karmic Guide and the Revel Arc sort of combo. Oh, right. There was that moment where he's like, I draw my whole deck except for one card. He's like, "Uh uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, Can I win? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that was right after Birthing Pod had been, uh, I think, banned in Modern. So he was like looking, he was like, sweet, I get to play Birthing Pod in Commander. Yeah, exactly. It was kind of funny because he was all about, he essentially kind of made a Modern deck in Commander, which is what Kessler does with a few of his decks. Uh, so that was a lot of fun to see happen as well. And and it was very powerful, obviously. I don't think we'd ever seen that particular combo. Yeah, and if you don't know, Alex it. Kessler is one of the co-hosts of our sister podcast that we mention on every episode, The Masters of Modern. So, of course, he's going to build Indeed. something with a Modern bent to it. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then we did play a second game, which I did win with the Vile Smasher deck uh, by casting the card Expropriate. Yep. <laughs> I've still never lost when I've cast it. So Well, unless it gets countered. Yeah, true. I've never lost once resolving it. Yeah, but you, you never I mean, cast it unless you can protect it, because if you're going to just win with it, yeah, that card is crazy. Yeah, especially in the deck when that card does nine damage to someone randomly, and then you will continue to do more damage on your extra turns. Yeah, it's nuts. It's, <laughs> Thanks it's nuts. to uh, Vile Smasher. <laughs> it's nuts. Um, all right. Yeah, our next episode, episode 141, this was a memorable one. It was Machiavellian Machinations, where we looked into the history of Machiavelli. And Josh, these are really your episodes. You're the one that came up with the Sun Tzu episode, the Machiavelli one, the World War One one we just did as well. We take sort of the old texts of... Uh, you know, some his, famous his, from history philosophers and scholars from history and apply it to EDH. And it actually works really well, always. Well, you know, one of both of our favorite things, Jimmy, is sort of cross applying lessons learned in magic and, and applying them to life or vice versa. And this is just another way to do that. Um, I know people really do enjoy those episodes. We get a lot of positive responses and people are like, why don't you do those episodes all the time? And it's like, cause they <laughs> take forever to plan. Um, yeah, it's true. But, you know, it's and, something... And to be also totally honest, sometimes they don't get that many views, even though they're very loved by the, our, our real community. It also doesn't, you know, it sometimes are they're so specific that they don't draw in the eyes as much as like, what's the most broken commander of 2017? It's, it's really a good point and something we've learned while making the show is to balance out, like, we have our passion topics, you know, obviously mine's more politics, this kind of stuff. And uh, those don't always resonate. I mean... It's like Jimmy said, the people who do listen tend to like them, but they don't tend to get clicked on because when you have a title like Machiavellian Machinations, that just doesn't draw people as much as a title like The Most Powerful Commander Decks. So, you yeah, know, that... maybe maybe we should just retitle them to be like The Most Powerful Commander Decks, but it's like, actually, we're talking about Machiavelli today on the show. <laughs> <Just> straight <laughs> trick, people. Well, I think that's yeah. one of the things we've done a good job at this year is sort of balancing those two things, doing some that are more for the masses, some that are a little bit more niche. Uh, you know, it's a philosophy I think we're going to continue is doing a little bit of each. Yeah, which I, I like it a lot. I think it's a good balance. And we always have to stay on top of the sets and all that stuff as well. So, uh Good, good times there. So speaking of staying on top of the sets, the next episode was episode 142 where we did our Ether Revolt set review. Then the episode after that was 143, and uh, we started sort of a new meta series for us, which was evaluating new mechanics for an entire block. And in this case, it was the um, Kaladesh block. And we were just looking at the mechanics themselves and seeing how they fit into the larger world of EDH. This was uh, a series that you came up with, Jimmy, as sort of something we could continue to do. And it's sort of one step past looking at each card and seeing how it interacts is looking at a whole mechanic and being like, well, how does this mechanic react to other mechanics and cards in the past? And can we sort of you know, flesh it out further and bigger and build an entire deck around any of the new mechanics. And in this case, the big one was like, is energy just going to be feasible ever? Because yeah. it's the only time we ever see it. And we sort of address those questions and, and try to uh, break it down from there. At what, at what? Yeah, it's fun to do for uh, for every block now. So that's something we plan on continuing. Yep. Uh, and then we were on to February. Yep. And in February, we released, actually the end of the, uh, the January month, we did 144, which is a mailbag Q&A. Uh, episode we talked about no counter EDH and blatant favoritism but then February off of the bang game nights number three we were on a roll now releasing essentially one a month 
And this was all of the new commanders from the Commander 2016 set, the four-color commanders, as well as a little mix of other stuff. So I played a Salar Ren and Sadar Kondo deck. Josh Kim, a new guest, brought in Idris with Infect. Josh was requested by the audience to play Titania, his mono green deck, and Craig decided to drop Una, which is a, I guess, kind of a combo deck as well. Um, and Josh, how did you lose this game? Uh, it still hurts. I got um, I got poison infected out on like turn five by Josh Kim. It was I got a little stuck on lands, and then he he put the enchantment I think on Yidris, and and that gives him infect. And I just could, I had nothing. I couldn't I couldn't do anything. So I was just out of that game like super early. And that was actually yeah, that the, was that was crazy. That was the only infect win we've had on the show as far as the infect deck actually winning because Josh Kim did end up winning that, that first game. Um, which is funny because Craig's been on the show a lot and he plays infect a lot, but he's never managed to actually, uh, win a game with infect. So it is very rare that infect wins. You know, we get a lot of, um, colorful comments about infect and a lot of people think it's broken when they see it that way, you know, because it's, right. cause it's still 10 poison counters in commander. And a lot of people are like, it should be 20, but trust me, Jimmy and I have been playing with a person who plays a ton of Infect. You know, at one point, Craig had like 20 Infect Commander decks. Not 20 Commander decks, 20 Infect Commander decks. We played against it all the time, and it's very rare that you see the Infect deck actually take down the entire game. Yeah, it's so rare. In fact, I think this is the only time in my recorded history of playing Magic that everyone lost to an Infect deck, and it was because Idris just has such absurd value. Like, Josh Kim had a ridiculous turn where he blew up, like, half of my board thanks to Idris, so... Yeah, that was, uh, that was a heck of a game. And then, Jimmy, you showed the combo power in Game 2 and went off with Blasting Station and a bunch of other stuff. I don't really remember exactly all the cards you had going. I just remember you were like, I do this, I sack that, and then untaps this thing, and then I sack that, and then that that taps this, and then I untap this other thing, and when I do that, then I sack this, and that brings this thing from the graveyard, and we're like, uh... <laughs> and then you just kill yeah. us all. <laughs> yep. I, uh, I kind of murderous red-capped everyone out. It was similar. Um, okay, moving on, though. Episode 145 45 was, was your deck tech. Deck tech. Yep. Yep. It was your Silas Rensider card noted. Yeah, the deck that played one green card, by the way. Good job, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm going to build a deck without red, and I just ended up wanting to put red in it the entire year time. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so it goes. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, episode 146? Yeah. yeah, 146 was a episode that had been in the works for a while. So our friend, the Magic Man Sam, who you can find on YouTube, he does uh, a lot of awesome videos. He kind of likes to like take a look at artists and all of their work throughout the history of magic and sort of compare and contrast their styles. He also does sort of really cool retrospectives or historical looks at like certain cards in magic. Like he has a whole video about the birds of paradise and, you know, the history of it, not just where the card came from, but where it's seen play and, and important events that it's been at and blah, blah, blah. And, um, Magic Man Sam, one of the great content creators in our in the MTG community. And he actually came to us with an idea for an episode of the Command Zone. And <laughs> I was like, yeah, you got an idea for an episode of our show? Let's do it. And it was called Straying from Staples. And Sam was talking about, you know, not – you finding alternatives to the things like Force of Will, Cyclonic Rift, you know – the boogeyman of our format and something that Sam 
you know, he's one of those players I think that likes to individualize himself and and have cards that he plays that no one's ever seen. Like, I don't think you can make Sam happier in a game of Commander than when you're like, wait a minute, what is that card? And you reach over and, can I look at this? You know? <laughs> yeah, that's that's his goal for every single game, for sure. Yeah. It's so, a good goal to have. No, and, and you know, uh, Craig Blanchett taught me this, which is Craig's constantly, when he does that, he'll bring out his phone and just take a picture of the card so that he's like, I, I need this card. I'm going to, you know, I don't want to forget it. And I, I sort of... You know, I've only gotten to play with Sam, I think, one time, but that's the type of thing that playing with Sam will make you do, is you're like, wait a minute, i got to take a picture of that card so I can remember it and buy some later. It's a good habit to get into. Uh, it's easier than writing it down. Um, I do do this thing, though, where I take a picture of something and I never look at it again, just being like, oh, yeah, I took a picture of it that one time. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, you're scrolling through your <laughs> phone, like, looking for something else, and you're like, oh, hey, what? why is this even in here? Nah, trash it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, or just ignore it again. <laughs> Episode 147 was a big one. It was the Commander Summit. We did this in January of 2016. This year was in 2017. And really just lined up when uh, all of our friends were in town. So we had Commanderin as well as the Commander's Brew podcast on to do a big discussion of what we deemed to be the successes and failures of the last year. And uh, also like our concerns and essentially address how is Commander doing so far and uh, what do we look forward to in the next year kind of sort of thing. And uh, some of the topics that we addressed were C16, success or failure. I think we can all unanimously agree, success. Huge success. Looking back now, yeah. I think it's Um, the best commander product ever. Ever. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, Partner mechanic, success or failure, also a huge success, I think. Especially, I mean, but primarily and especially if they they please infuse it with a a few more commanders in the future. Yeah, please revisit Um, that mechanic. Uh, But I do think it was a big success. And... A tough thing to have success with because I think it would have been very easy for it to also be too powerful. But I think they hit a nice little wheelhouse where the partner commanders are great. They're all usable, but they don't feel completely broken. I mean, obviously, some some competitive players will probably crow about Thrasios and Vile Smasher in one-on-one. But by and large, (laughs) they haven't, like, taken over the format. But they they are playable. I think they found a really good sweet spot for those. I agree. I agree. Um, Power creep and format homogenization. Was it a concern at all about the power creep? I, I forget exactly what I said about this, but do you remember what you said? Um, I'm pretty sure I said the same thing that I'm going to say right now, which is I'm not super worried about it. It doesn't seem to be an actual problem because uh, I can't think of any sort of banner cards that, you know, all the cards I can think of that are what I would call boogeymen in the format, like Cyclonic Rift and that kind of stuff, are not commander product cards. Uh yeah. There's a few commanders, I'd say, that are very powerful, but we have enough very powerful commanders that adding one or two to the list doesn't really rock the format. They do love to reprint Cyclonic Rift, though. I'm pretty sure it was reprinted in the Modern Masters set. Yeah, and so. and in, yeah. Well, well, it's a really good it, card, it, was it turns commander, out. It was in Commander 2014, so okay. <laughs> all the way back in then. All right. Um, um, level we... up moments from the past year as well. Uh, I'm always leveling up. For one, though... I realized this, and you said it recently, too. I need to play more Magic. I just have not been able to play enough recently. You've been pretty busy, as it turns out. You know, I've made a concentrated effort in the last few months to play more Magic, which is... I noticed. Yeah, I I really have been, like, forcing myself to do it because it's very easy, and and I know you're the same way, to just be like, ah, I got to work, and then to just work. And it's not like... (laughs) Yeah, it's not like I'm choosing, you know... I'm usually choosing like I gotta cut, I gotta work on game nights, or I gotta come up with a topic or an outline for the podcast. And you're the same way. And you know, if people don't know, Jimmy has a thousand balls that he's juggling all at once. You know, between the Disney show that you were doing and all, Feast of Fiction and all the side projects, you know, it can be tough. And I found that I had to literally like sort of force myself, like 
I'm going to play magic. Like I'm going to set one night aside and I'm just not going to allow myself to sort of bail out because, you know, I got to work or whatever. So that's been, it's been really nice. You know, I just started doing that in the last couple of months though. (laughs) Well, that's the thing I realized too, is that commander, it's not like you can just go to an F and M and play draft or whatever and play one-on-one. Like I like to play with my friends. I'm not a huge fan of sitting down with total random people uh, just because, you know, like if it's going to be a use of my time, I want to make sure that I, you know, I know the people I'm playing with and the power level is about the same. And I'm always a little wary of jumping into a a group when I don't know if someone's going to bust out, you know, a, a tier one deck consistently and constantly so it is a little tougher to organize as well but you know what i'm gonna make a concentrated effort in 2018 but we'll, we, we'll talk about that in a bit we've been uh, gathering people and playing on this the game night set too so it's nice to have a place to play so uh, oh yeah that's a good know, point we, we, we're, we'll, we'll get you in there some more thank goodness yeah please invite me <laughs> <laughs> i've been inviting you don't don't know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um so one of the other things we talked about on the commander summit that i thought was really interesting it was we we posed the question if you were on the rules committee, you know, what would be your first official act as, you know, member of the RC? Um, I said I wanted, and I'm still on this kick, I wanted to reduce the ban list, just get as many cards off of it as I can, get that ban list, like, nice and lean and mean. And that has not happened. No. Nope. I don't think it's well, going to happen. Well, they took one step in that direction. I mean, I guess, no, they stayed even. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, another thing we mentioned on the 2016 version, just to see wh- where we got to, was Andy was like, bring the Nephilim in as commanders. And, of course, we got four-colored commanders. So, Andy, you kind of got your wish. Uh, Phil was wanting to know how – was wanting to adjust how poison worked and to limit or ban infinite combos. I think that's still very much a house rules thing for, for Phil and for other people about that. Mm-hmm. And I specifically was like, hey, let's look into alternate forms of commander. And that has not really happened either. But we do have partner commanders, and I think that's an alternate form of quote-unquote commander if you want to really get specific about it. I mean, they came out with a new, like, um, uh, the Plane Chase Anthology. So maybe that was, like, sort of pushing that kind of thing. I guess it's not new, but, you know. No, it's a good point. It's a good point, yeah. Um, Um, After that, was it Game Nights 4 time? Yeah, it was Game Nights number 4. Who is the best Aether Revolt commander? We Now, there was a lot of... (laughs) There's a lot of people saying, well, Baral is clearly the best E3 Revolt commander, and we agree with you. Um, we disallowed Baral for this episode because we had four players, and we wanted to you know, make sure that the game was going to be fun to watch, and we didn't believe that one player sitting there countering all everything the other players tried to do was going to make for very entertaining TV. So we just said at the outset, okay, no Baral, and then... The way we usually do it on game nights is when there's something like this where we're going to go with the theme and we were, you know, these were all the new monocolored commanders from Ether Revolt. So there was SRAM, there was Yeheni, there was Rishkar, and there was, who was yours, Jimmy? Oh, uh, uh, Karizev. Excuse me, Karizev. Karizev, sorry. Kev. Zari Kev. <laughs> I always say. I'm sorry. Um, so, <laughs> so the way it works is we usually you know, we confer with who our guests are going to be and they're going to build their decks and Jimmy and I allow them to choose first. So we went to Wes and to to Vinny and we said, okay, you know, who do you guys want to play? And uh, they chose, Wes chose Sram and Vinny chose Yeheni. And then Jimmy and I, it was a green one and a red one. So it was kind of easy on this one. You know, Jimmy was yeah. going to play mono red and I was going to play green. And, and, and so that's kind of how that went. Um, and how did the yep. games go? Well, Vinny won the first game with Yeheni. He just went out of control. He exsanguinated for a bunch and just had a big board presence and kept doing things like one-sided board wipes. 
Uh, I believe this was the game when I had the epic Price of Glory moment. Oh yeah. Of Glory. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and then made and made myself sack like five of my seven lanes or something. <laughs> oh yeah, because you tried to like, you like did an instant speed act of treason. Yeah, I, What's that one called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget what it was called, but it's the one that uh, steals a card at instant speed. There's a permanent too, so I was like, all right, I'm gonna do this. I haven't done anything for two turns, and then Wes goes, oh no, Jimmy. Oh no! <laughs> He's like, I, I, I hate to tell you out. this. Yep. Yeah. Price of Glory. And, uh, if, for yeah. those who don't know, it says um, if you tap one of your lands for mana on another player's turn, you have to sacrifice that land. So Jimmy had to sacrifice like five of his lands <laughs> to his own card. We've all done that, though. I that mean, was pretty brutal. Yeah. Yeah. We, and we Wes, uh, Wes, off, like comboed off both games, just dumping his hand and his entire deck onto the board each time. Uh, but Josh ended up winning the second game thanks to Paradox Engine, Guy's Cradle. And Zendikar Resurgent. Yeah, that turns out Paradox Engine is a pretty good card. Guy's Cradle is not bad, too. The The funny thing was, after that episode, you know, we noticed a thing with Game Nights, whereas after the episode, there's, of course, a lot of people are always excited to build whatever deck wins. But not this episode. On this episode, there were way more comments about Wes's deck, which was the SRAM deck. Yeah. Which is kind of a Cheerios-style, bunch of low-cast-and-cost equipment deck. And he just would rifle through like 50 cards of his deck. And he would, you know, I think he may have like a smuggler's copter with like 15 equipment attached to it in one of the games. Like he was swinging in the air with like, you know, all the swords and Umazawa Jite and like, you know, a million other things on it. And, you know, that just looked fun to people. So that was kind of the big takeaway from that episode. Yeah, definitely. That deck was awesome too. And I love Wes because he's one of the best players uh, that both of us know. And he obviously showed that synergy in the deck building skills when it came to playing Commander as well, which he does not play as much. So Yeah, yeah. Wes is a very good player. I mean, he's a game designer. He worked at Riot and now he's moved on to another game company, but he really gets the ins and outs of games. So he's a guy that, yeah. You don't mess around. Episode 148 was our Modern Masters preview. We previewed Zur, the Enchanter. And then we also uh, deck-teched Rishkar and the SRAM decks. Um, moving into March, my favorite month. <laughs> oh, yes. And this is one of my favorite episodes we've ever done, although it's probably the least popular episode of the entire year. I as far know. As, <laughs> as far as views. It's funny how that goes, right? What did we say earlier? Uh, like the Machiavellian episodes like one of our favorites to do, and this one, and it, it's it's funny. Um this was the this cr- has almost no views on on YouTube. I even changed the thumbnail, being like, maybe we can get some other people to to join. And I was like, no, no, no one just want, no one's seen this one. So this one is called the Creative Process, and it was with uh, my buddy Rob Pryor. And Rob is a world renowned painter. Uh, he had a piece that was in the Louvre last year. He gets on stage with um, artists like I know he does Tech Nine a lot. I think he's done like Jay Z and Lincoln Parker. Yeah, I might be getting some of the specifics as far as who wrong, but he gets on stage in front of huge crowds of people and he paints live while concerts and things are going on. He's also been on stage with like Neil deGrasse Tyson and Stan Lee and all kinds of people at different cons and stuff, painting them. Um, he's extremely talented. He's a guy that paints with both hands. So he literally will be painting like the left side of the picture with his left hand simultaneously while he's painting the right side of the thing with his right hand. He rocks out while he does it. And so Rob was on our episode of the show live painting behind us as we did an episode. And we decided that this episode would not be magic related. It was more about the creative process and Jimmy and I talking sort of more about the other things we do um, outside of MTG content. You know, Jimmy's an actor, producer, a content creator. I've been in the movie business for a long time. So that was us kind of talking about our origin stories, I guess. Yeah. And I would say that this is the number one 
episode that I link to people when they ask me like, Hey, how should I get started with this? Or like, do you guys have anything about your story? Um, I find myself linking to this episode quite a bit, um, just because it's a really nice comp like compilation way for us to tell everyone about how we started, where we got to where we are now. And we could probably do another one at the end of, you know, at some point next year, just cause so much has happened over this past year. But yeah, I really love this episode. Rob was an amazing guest to have. It's crazy just seeing how his brain, it was funny because we interviewed him after he painted everything and you could tell his brain was still very much in the like, I'm just strictly creating right now. I can't, like, I'm not here to do an interview. <laughs> it was really cool to see him like in between sort of like meld into the back in the conversation mode after being deep in the tank, making this awesome painting behind us the entire time. Yeah, I've often told Rob that I can physically see the moment where he enters, quote unquote, the zone. And Rob's, you're lucky if you meet a person, a single person in your entire lifetime and you see them and you go, they're doing what they were put on the earth to do. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Rob's one of those people who, when you see him paint, that's just like, he's just meant to do that. And um, anyway, that I agree with you. It's funny. I link that episode a lot too. That's an episode I talk about with people. And, and, and as far as number of views, it's low. But I'd say as far as impact on individual people that watched it, because I don't know how many people messaged me or I saw in comments or whatever that said like, hey – I was halfway finished with a novel a couple of years ago and I just stopped and I watched this episode and I just started writing on my novel again or, you know, oh, yeah, that's started awesome. writing music again or started, you know, painting again or whatever it was. And, and so I feel really good about that episode because if even one person finished a novel that they were working on because of that episode, then I, then I'm happy. Yeah. I, I love that. All right, moving on into March, we uh, then had an episode, episode 150, where we deck-teched a Tassiger, the Golden Fang deck with Jeremy Noel. Uh, and the entire goal of that deck is just to cast Villainous Wealth as many times as possible. And Jeremy <laughs> has been a longtime friend of the show. You can find him on Commander Versus. He also does the Star City Games sort of uh, weekly update. Uh, love Jeremy, though. He's an awesome, awesome dude. And yes. that was a great episode. Split Second, I think, is his show. Split Second, yes, yeah. sorry. Uh, my brain cool name. farted. Cool name. Very, very cool name. Episode 151, we've done a few of these, but this was the Commander deck building template. And uh, we essentially created a... Um, in the EDH essential deck on tapped out that you can use to start any deck with a bunch of cards that I think are like, you know, if you have no idea where to start, here are the sort of, you know, things that you could put in your deck that fit into every deck, you know, command tower, obviously one of them, you know, other cards that might help fix your mana or ramp you, you know, sort of like those kinds of cards, like myriad landscape esque cards that work in a lot of different decks. Um, so if you guys want to get a good start on a deck in EDH and don't know where to even begin, go grab that. Yeah, that episode's really good. We also sort of did like a, I'd almost call it like a unified theory of how deck building works on a general level as far as like how you'd categorize the different cards that, you know, every deck needs and, and organize them and start to think about them. So that's been one of our more popular episodes. So that's been nice. Yep. Uh, 152, we talked about different variants to Spice Up Commander Night, as well as a uh, little breakdown on what we thought about Modern Masters 2017 draft. And there was no game nights this month because we released two in the last month. We like had to really, really pound that out just to get the um, Ether Revolt one out before the set release because we really wanted to make sure that that was there on time. And so let's go to April. Yeah, so we began April with episode number five of Game Nights. This has been our most popular episode to date. This was the one with Melissa DeTora playing the Karametra Enchantress deck and the Professor playing um, his... Cassetto, Cassetto, uh, Snake <laughs> Tribal deck. You know, the videos had been 
doing well, really well. Uh, but this video blew up to the point where we were like, whoa. Yeah, what happened? <laughs> yeah, it's at like 650,000 views right now. And I mean, it's obviously climbed over time. And this is a video that continues to get a lot of views. Like any given month, if you look at the analytics for our show, maybe the fifth or sixth most popular of our videos will always be this video. <laughs> Yeah, you know, pretty much. Even six or seven sense. months later. I mean, the professor is awesome, and like Melissa Detora is the best player we've ever had in the show. I think bar none. Uh, and so it was really great to just be able to get like two huge personalities on the show. And this was like our first time really branching out to into the the world of Magic Beyond, sort of our own small community, which is one of the goals that we had for the show from the beginning. Yeah, that's a really good point. This is the first one where we brought people who are quote unquote outside our playgroup. Now, of course, we know Melissa and we know Prof. And we've hung out with them before, but it's they don't live in LA. We don't play with them on a like weekly basis or anything. And so, uh, yeah, that that was one of the times where we were sort of like, oh, we can get some guests from out of town, and this will be really cool. And of course, Melissa's deck is amazing. Um, yeah, it's like super Very much enchantress, super fun, super fun to play, super fun to sort of watch go off. It's one of the decks that I think, if you look at our tapped out, has the most views as far as decks. You know, I think she, I think that deck on Tapped Out has like forty thousand views on it or something, <laughs> which is like insane. <laughs> I mean, after yeah, after seeing it go off, it does not surprise me at all. It looked like a ton of fun to play as well, and she just loves Enchantress and obviously made a really fun deck out of it. I also really liked getting a professional, a former professional player, I guess. But you know, Melissa is one of the best in the world ever to play Magic the Gathering, and we got her into a situation where she was having to play table politics, which I thought was yeah. really awesome. Really awesome. Yeah. And and like hearing them in the interviews after was great too. And I also have to give kudos to Prof as one of the best interviewees we could ask for on the show just because he has so much energy and is able to say things in a really fun and funny way that it's really fun to watch. So Yeah, Prof is just one of those people and there's certain people in life, Jimmy, you're like this too, who there's something about when there's a camera pointed at them. And as an editor, you know, I'll be in the edit bay and you know, myself, lots of people on the show, they're fine uh, and I think can be good on camera. But there's certain people where you're like, this person's just great on camera. Prof's like that. You're like that. Mark Rosewater's like that. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to do with training or anything. There's some certain kind of charisma or magnetic magnetism to the personality. And Prof's definitely one of those people. It's like, I don't care what he's saying. He's just great on camera. It doesn't matter. Like whatever he's doing. The camera just loves him. Yeah, pretty much. And he loves the camera. <laughs> this, this is true. <laughs> uh, episode 153, this was the Amonkhet preview of Neheb the Worthy. And of course, that went right into Game Night's number six, which was another one of our really popular episodes because we brought in Cassius Marsh, who uh, at the time played for the Seattle Seahawks, my team, absolutely, for life. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, Mel Lee was the first episode that Mel was ever on, and Mel's been back on the show a few times now, and we were playing the new Amonkhet Commanders. So Cassius played Samut, Mel played Temet, Vizier of Noctamun, I played Neheb the Worthy, and Josh played Hapatra. And these were some really fun games. Uh, Cassius, if you guys remember, he had a turn three Ugin. Oh my good. gosh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, still have I got Mana screwed, that. of course. Yeah, me too. Uh, I did have like a mini comeback in the middle, and then at the end it was Hapatra versus Mel, and that was a really fun little face-off there too. Yeah, I kind of um, I got to go off a little bit again and make a million guys, but that was a really fun game. Everybody had their moments. Um, a lot of people ask us how we were introduced to Cassius. So Cash, uh, at the time, was playing for the Seahawks. He's since moved on. He played for the Patriots a little bit, and now he plays for the 49ers. 
And I want to say, since he went to the 49ers, I think they had one win the entire season, and he hasn't lost a game there since he went there. So he looks pretty good in red. Um, Cash was introduced to us through Trick Jarrett at Wizards of the Coast. And Cassius actually, he went to UCLA, and so he kind of likes to spend the offseason. He's got family here in Los Angeles, and he's a big-time EDH player. Um, and so we got hooked up, and that's how we met him. And uh, we kind of hit it off from that game night, so we get to play with him when he's in town, which is great. So that was a really fun episode. Then we went on to episode number 154 which was a breakdown of the Hippotra deck I used in uh, that episode of Game Nights. And then episode 155, which came out on April 25th, which was one day after April 24th. And on April 24th, the rules committee for the commander format came down from on high and they said, Leovold is now banned and they unbanned Protean Hulk. So this was, yeah, yeah, this was our Amonkhet set review, but we also, uh, prefaced it with it talking about Leovold getting banned and Protean Hulk getting unbanned. Um, those were the only real shakeups in our format this year. There were no rules changes. What do you think, Jimmy? You know, having looked back at it now, it's about eight, I guess, seven months later. No, eight months later. Um, you know, what do you think about the banning and the unbanning? You know, I'm fine with the Leovold ban because I think it really does uh, go against the spirit of EDH with what Leovold does. And it was also kind of a card that wasn't developed for EDH specifically. It was actually, I think, made with tiny leaders in mind. Yep. Um, so I'm okay with the Leovold ban. Uh, I've only played against the deck once, and I can affirm that it was not fun. And it's also one of those decks where you don't need to build it specifically to be tier one to be unfun. You know what I mean? Yeah, true. All you have to do is get one windfall off or something. Yeah, and that's like not an actual difficult thing to do in a deck like that. Um, so I'm fine with that. And as for the Protean Hulk unban, I haven't heard that it's made huge waves, but you were saying it's now in one of the new tier one decks? Yeah, so one of the sort of notes we got when we did the most powerful EDH decks was that we didn't talk about, and we mentioned this on the episode just saying that, you know, in our circle, we hadn't seen Protean Hulk really rear its head much, but from the competitive EDH scene, uh, I guess one of the best decks, maybe the best deck in the CEDH format is uh, the Breakfast Hulk combo deck, or it's at least a deck that is tier one and gets people were talking about a lot in that episode. So I believe that the unbanning of Protean Hulk has had quite a, at least, I mean, it's had an effect on the competitive scene. I don't know, you know, we're, we're not, as much as people call spikes and whatnot, we're not into competitive EDH, and in those circles, Protean Hulk hasn't made a huge, uh, it, it hasn't had yeah. a huge effect. It's, I've seen it in play a few times, uh, GP Vegas and stuff, I saw it a few times, and it's powerful, but I, I didn't see people doing, like, the crazy broken beat you on turn, you know, two things with it. Yeah, it's also, like, a six-mana card, right? So it's not going to be that easy to abuse as easily as, you know, a Hermit Druid or whatever. You, you have to be comboing off with it and building your deck in a way to really combo off with things, and that usually requires a lot of rituals and, and, and stuff that's going to make you be able to go off earlier or whatever, and, and that's not necessarily the types of decks that we play against a lot. So, But I did, it is worth mentioning, Protean Hulk, definitely a thing and definitely a very powerful card. Yeah. All right, then we were into May. May. Lots of fun stuff in this one. No game nights this month because we released two in the last month. So we started things off with the importance of Mana Curve. This is one of the uh, the Josh Lee Kwai episodes. You want to talk about it? Uh, yeah, you know, when we did our Commander Summit, I sort of mentioned during that episode that my biggest level up of, of the previous year had been sort of discovering how important or realizing how important Mana Curve was in Commander. 
And this was kind of, I guess, our opus talking about that. And I still think it's one of our better episodes ever as far as level up or something I point to consistently to people when they're like, you know, what episode of the show would you recommend to somebody who's, you know, sort of, it's not like the, I'm not starting in the format, but I'm looking, I understand the format now and I'm looking to improve. And I'll say, you know, the Mana Curve episode is kind of one of those intermediate episodes that really I think can up your game once you kind of start to understand some of the stuff we're talking about there. Yeah, episode 156, so make sure you go and check it out. And then 157, one of my favorite episodes was the Magic Community Spotlight, where we got to talk about all of our favorite creators, uh, people we've had on the show before, people we've never had on the show before. And of course, no, at this point, we didn't realize this, but a lot of people we were going to have on game nights. Um, but it was a really fun way to look at the community that has really been a force for good and growth and all of the positive things in the Magic community. Now, obviously, this happened before all of the kerfluffle of the last few months. So it was nice to know that back, even back then, all the way in May, we were like, hey, here are the people that we really appreciate. And, you know, I still continue to appreciate all those people today. So I, I hope we get to do another one of those soon. Yeah, I think we're kind of gathering our resources as far as having enough new uh, content creators to talk about to maybe do that again. And one of the, uh, I'd say, criticisms we received from that episode was simply that we didn't talk about a lot of the smaller uh, content creators. And, you know, to be fair, we were talking about content that we actually consume. And so we weren't, it wasn't like an episode where we're like, let's go out and find a bunch of comment, content and then talk about it. We were like, what's the stuff we watch? Okay, let's talk about that. And the good thing about this episode was that in those comments and stuff, a lot of people pointed us in the direction of some content that at the time we weren't aware of. And, you know, we've been able to check it out, you know, and we've talked about some of that stuff, the Laboratory Maniacs, uh, Jumbo Commander, stuff like that. And so, you know, I could definitely see us in the future gathering up uh, enough of those to, you know, do another episode like this. I hope so. Moving on, episode 158 was one of my favorites. It's called Breaking Boros, just because of the name. I thought that was great. <laughs> uh, we uh, we talked about how to play red-white in a way that gave you as much value as possible because it's a very hard color combination to play in Magic. Um, same with like mono-white and mono-red, obviously. But you can do more broken things, funnily enough, in those single colors sometimes than you can <laughs> when you go to Boros. So that was a fun episode if you are a Boros or red-white fanatic. And then episode 160, we brought another guest in. This time it was The Stibs, Adam Stiborski from TCG Player to uh, talk about the net decking dilemma. And Adam's one of the first, and I believe the only guest so far, to film video of himself so that we could cut to him during our podcast because we always have the camera on us. So that was that was really fun. Yeah, this was another episode too where the guest came to us with a, an idea of what they wanted to talk about. And, you know, we get asked all the time, We get asked all the time about how people can be on game nights. Maybe we'll talk about that near the end. Um, But we also get asked a lot, uh, people want to be on the show. And there's probably a couple things you need to know. One is you probably have to have already been well enough known for your content that, you know, we can put your name in the title and people will know who that is. And secondly, it's really, really helpful if you already have a topic of discussion that you're passionate about that you want to bring to the show. You know, the Magic Man Sam did that and now Stibbs did that. And it's like the greatest thing in the world for Jimmy and I to be like, oh, so we don't have to worry about coming up with a big outline and what the topic is for this week. We can let you drive it and you're already passionate about that. So we, we're not going to have to like pull anything out of you. That's already stuff you want to talk about. And, you know, that's always what our show's about. And one of the great comments we always get is, you know, how animated and passionate we are. And that's why we never want to talk about something that we're just, we don't care that much about. And so 
we also want our guests to come on and feel the same way. And, and so Stibbs was really good in that role. And it's, you know, it's great. So if you want to get on the show, coming to us with like, I would like to be on and here's what I'd like to talk about, you know, and here's the type of things within that topic, uh, we'll give you a much better chance. A great way to start it off. So now we're into June, is that correct? Yep, we're halfway through the year almost. Yay! Um, this was Game Nights number seven. It was our first non-commander episode. It was arch enemy Nicol Bolas with our good friend Gavin Verhey. Now, Gavin's been friends with Jimmy for a long time. Um, he was on one of our very early episodes of the show, so we've known him for, for quite some time. I remember drafting the first conspiracy with Gavin in line at Comic-Con, what, the year Cons of Tarkir came out, so however long ago that is, three or four years ago. Uh and Gavin had been the lead designer, lead designer, lead, I believe so, lead designer on Arch Enemy. I'm sorry if I get the title wrong, but it, you know he was. I know we all, I always do that too. Yeah, he was heavily responsible for the Arch Enemy product, and it was really you know Jimmy and I have played the old Arch Enemy. We like variants of uh, multiplayer formats in Magic. We just like different forms of Magic, and so it was a opportunity for us to you know, get the guy who made the set, get the product early, try it out, unveil it to the world. And it was really fun to be able to to sort of, you know, show off Arch Enemy before anybody else got their hands on it. Yeah. And, you know, it was the first time, again, like Josh said, we broke outside of the commander format that we've been doing. And it was a bit of a risk for us because, you know, originally we wanted to do this show to showcase other things and other ways of playing the game. And, we had some like uh, some budget cosplay in that episode as well. Oh, and yeah. Mel was back as well. <laughs> Nicol Bolas won both times very easily. So, which is funny because I was... I heard from mm-hmm. Gavin and from other people that ultimately there was sort of a general agreement that the um, Nicol Bolas player, the arch enemy player, was slightly disadvantaged in the matchup. And but for whatever reason, from both games we showed on Game Nights, it looked like the opposite was the truth. Yeah, yeah, totally. Pretty funny. Later in June, we uh, brought on another guest. We had Jason Alt, returning guest to the show, to talk about saving money in Commander, and specifically because we knew that we were going to get tribal commanders in the next Commander. Uh, so it was really interesting to see what Jason thought would be reprinted, what wouldn't be, why it wouldn't be. And it's a, it's a topic that Josh and I don't really think about because we're more interested in the gameplay as opposed to the mechanics of how the economy works. But the things that Jason said in that episode, I mean, it's an all-time. Like, if you go back and listen to his reasoning for a lot of his arguments and then look at what actually happened, you'll find that you can learn a lot. Yeah, let that be a lesson to you for the next time we have Jason on. You should listen to what he says because he knows his stuff. Yeah, really Um, listen to what he says. He is very rarely wrong. And if he's not wrong, what he says still is – and, like, if what he says doesn't come true, what he says is still not wrong. It's still right, you know? Yeah, he's he. Well, he makes his living literally at uh, MTG Finance. So then we went on to episode one sixty three, where we had our preview card for Hour of Devastation. It was Unesh Cryosphinx Sovereign, which is you know what a deck I still want to build someday. Yeah, it seems really cool. I mean, I hope they keep releasing sphinxes, which I'm pretty sure they will. It's a really iconic creature in Magic, and eventually th- you'll be able to just make a pure sphinx travel deck. I mean, you still can right now, but I think what we need is more changelings at low casting cost because that I think that's the problem with that mm, deck yeah. is there's not a lot of stuff to do before you get to five mana yeah totally um okay hey we're into july july already and we have game nights number eight with returning guest cassius marsh still in seahawks at this point we played the commander anthology and we also had josh kim also known as zell returning and so we all just it was sort of like our return to the out of the box episodes 
uh, where we just took the pre-con, sleeved them up, and played against each other. And this was a crazy game. I don't know if you guys remember, but Cassius did not have red mana for like the first 10 to 12 turns of the game. And he actually ended up taking it at the end. I died to a burn spell. Ugh. This was Cassius the game. also gained like 50 life that game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's that? Congregate or something where you gain a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was also the game where Josh Kim, kind of despite you, gave he cast... Um, What's the the spell where you like you cast green and X and then you get an XX and X amount of elves, but then you can choose uh, two players and you can give one of them an XX and one of them X amount of elves. But he chose me both times, so I just got a seven yeah. seven and seven one ones <laughs> in the deck that had had Mazarek on the table. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I was getting real salty that game, too. That was yeah. the game where uh, the salt was born in Jimmy and I drank out of a cup of salt. Oh, yeah. It was disgusting. <laughs> That's the reason we have salt on the set uh, yep. of the podcast and game nights to this day is because of that. <laughs> Little story about that. So we shoot the interviews after the games, obviously. Um, and, you know, we have at that time we were taking our own notes and we were referring to our notes during the interview. And I sort of sit behind the camera and I ask questions and I sort of you know, I'll ask people to restate things or whatever. But Jimmy had just sat down and I hadn't even seen, I'd seen the glass of water, but I hadn't seen the salt. And so at some point I'm asking him some questions and I figured he just, you know, wanted the water on hand so he could clear his throat from time to time. And he just grabs the salt and I'm like, what is he doing? And starts pouring it into the water. Like that was totally not pre-planned. It was obviously Jimmy had thought about it right before, but it wasn't like something we all set up. That was just something Jimmy came up with. Yeah, I kind of silently did it. I didn't think anyone noticed because I just wanted to have his genuine reaction behind behind camera too, and I didn't want to think about it too much. And I remember th- we weren't sure. We were apprehensive a little bit about this showing the salt, right? Because the the show up to that point had just been all smiles. You know, we didn't sort of showcase that side of the game of getting frustrated and stuff. And and uh, I think Jimmy, you're the one that was like, you know what? Let's let's go with it. Let's try it. It's something everybody can relate to, and it and it ended up being, I think. One of the more iconic and relatable moments that the show's ever had. Yeah, and uh, and there you go. That's why the salt is behind us on set. All oh, right. Then times. we went to episode one sixty six, and this episode was called "Adjusting to New Metas Live at GP Vegas." So we did this one as on stage at GP Vegas. We had a big crowd. I'd say close to a hundred people. We gave away a ton of stuff. We had Cassius uh, again. Uh, well, I guess this was his first time on the podcast, and we had Mel Lee. Yeah. Uh, Mel Cassius had a blast at Vegas, obviously. Yeah. Mel was actually walking by in cosplay as Gideon, and we pulled her from the crowd and said, come up on stage. So she she did. She actually scrubbed out of an event. We didn't really know that until midway through the episode. But she was like, oh, yeah, I'm in a sealed event. But I, they just, they called pairings like a while ago, so I... I you know, I'll just stay up here with you guys. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, actually. I'm glad that I think she was in line. To, no, she had to cancel on the draft. Yeah, I think she was like in the second or third round of it. But she was like, whatever, it's a chaos. Yeah, I think it was a chaos sealed or chaos draft or whatever. And she was, you know, oh, I'll stay up here and be on the podcast. So Mel, always, always game. That's why we love her. Yeah. Um, episode game. 167 was brewing around the um, the new gods, the locust god, the scarab god and the scorpion god. Um, we kind of, we didn't do full deck text, but we sort of broke down our initial ideas and brainstormed for some ideas for, for a deck with maybe all three of them. Mm-hmm. Episode 168 was evaluating new mechanics, but for the Amon Ket block. So continuing our meta series, um, episode 169 was called how many infinite combos 
Oh, I'm sorry. We're in August now for episode 169. Well, and it's right. called, it's First called day of August. How Many Infinite Combos is Too Many. Uh, this was a Q&A episode, but that was sort of the most provocative of the questions that we answered. I don't remember yeah. what did we like how many is too many infinite uh, <laughs> I don't know I think I said like two or three is like how the most I would ever put in a deck yeah I mean I was like fine put as many as you want I don't know like you know depending on the play group I think yeah right I don't remember what I answered to that question then we so in August we made our move to the rocket jump offices oh that's right we had a uh, kind of a new interim set while we were getting ready to build the game night set and uh, we had like a new like we did three cameras for a second again and i don't think it made a difference some people didn't like the fact that our center camera was like moving around a little bit too so it was interesting but one of the fun things that we first did here was the spicy food preview for a boneyard scourge and fortunate few oh yeah <laughs> and uh yeah that was that's the reason we have spicy uh sauces and stuff behind us on <laughs> on the game night set now uh, because we ate uh uh, it was called Old Grumpy, in, Old Grumpy Marks was the brand. Yeah, one of yeah, our... Yeah, and Madam Renfro's, right? Uh, Mrs. Renfro's was... Uh, that's Mrs. another Renfro's, one. yeah. That's another one. But well, the one we ate on that episode was Old Grumpy Marks. One of our listeners... I think for an end step, I had talked about ghost pepper salsa. And so the person being like, hey, I work at a place that makes ghost pepper salsa and hot sauce. Do you want some? I was like, yeah. And they sent, <laughs> yeah, Of course you said, yeah. Yeah, and they sent it, and it had been sitting here for a little while, and we weren't sure what to do with it. And I think, Jimmy, you were like, well, we should have a hot sauce eating competition or something. And so yeah. <laughs> if you have not seen episode 170, it's very – it's quick because it's just a preview card episode. But we we take the hot sauce straight, the ghost pepper hot sauce, and it's amazing how fast Jimmy starts sweating. Almost immediately. I mean, and then like, you kept eating more and then challenging me to eat more. And by the end, I'd taken like four spoons of it as well as the salsa. And oh my gosh, we, I mean, it, my stomach hurt so badly for the next like half of the, the day. It was awful. Yeah. I, I will say like, I didn't have a problem as far as like eating the salsa, like, cause I, I like hot sauce and that didn't, but man, my stomach was really, really mad at me later. Yeah. It. My stomach was like, F you, Jimmy. What are you doing with your life? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you tell me. Um, okay, also in August, we released a bunch of episodes because Commander 2017 was coming out. So we had, this was crazy, man. We had, oh, you know what? I'm so sorry. I need to reclarify. The Game Night's number eight. We were playing the Commander Anthology. I think I said Commander 2017, but we weren't playing that. We were doing the Anthology. So oh, we right. Old decks from the past. Um, now, episodes 172 through 176 were all Commander 2017. We actually went into uh, September with these episodes, but we covered the Wizards Tribal Deck, the Cat Tribal Deck, the Five Color Dragons, the Edgar Markov Vampire Tribal Deck, and there were a bunch of extra episodes this month just because we wanted to make sure, uh, you know, having access to the product early meant that we could do a lot more with those episodes and provide real quality content for you guys. So we really dug our heels in and we put out a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I mean, the Commander product release every year is kind of the biggest time of year for us. Obviously, we're a Commander-centric podcast. So, yeah, that was just something we wanted to do to make sure that we were talking about that from every angle possible. And then we yeah. sort of rounded it out with the release of Game Night's number nine, which was the Commander 2017 edition. This was the episode, again, Mel Lee was back. She was playing the Edgar Markov deck. Sean Main, who you was another former Wizards of the Coast employee um, and game designer, who had worked on this set. He was playing the Inala Wizards deck. Jimmy, you played the Erebo Cat deck, and I played the Ur-Dragon Dragon deck. 
This mm-hmm. was a pretty fun game, and Mel kind of took it over with the vampire deck and actually uh, secured the win by casting Swords to Plowshare on her own creature, which was, I thought, high style points. It was a very stylish win, uh, and the Edgar Markov deck took it home. So Mel, with her first victory on game night's pretty satisfying. Well, outside of when she played Arch Enemy. Her first solo victory? No, no, she was a solo yeah, in Arch solo. Enemy. I don't know, her second victory. Yeah. <laughs> she kind of had the assistance of a helper deck in that. <laughs> That's true. She had the the arch, the arch enemy deck. Moving into September, uh, we finished the C17 previews. We did a Kess, uh, the Dissident Mage deck tech with Alex Kessler, because that's after his namesake, a Marisol and a Ramos deck tech. And then on episode of 178, we also previewed the card Axis of Mortality from Ixalan, which was a bit of a stinker. So bummer That's, there. I'd call that one of our worst preview cards as far as playability or how good it is. Yeah. Impact Resonance was better than that, surprisingly. So Yeah. They seem like they're about <laughs> the same, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Unplayable. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Game Night's number 10 came out, which was, again, us delving into another format. Uh, two-headed Giant this time, and with our first time on the new set, as well as with guests from out of town that we got to fly in thanks to the fact that we now have a budget and are sponsored by Wizards of the Coast. So we played Ixalan 2 at a Giant with Megan and Maria of Magic the Amateuring. And that was a fun game as well. We did a lot of goofy shenanigans. We were in the cabin of the woods of Ixalan, and I, <laughs> I had a lot of fun in that episode. Uh, yeah, this is a seminal moment for our channel, for Game Nights. You know, we had built a studio set. We were on it. We had flown guests in from out of town. Megan and Maria were... You know, our top choices to have on as guests. I just love I love the energy those two have. They're hilarious. They're and they're very good magic players. So I was actually I feel really lucky that we came out on top in that game because they're better than us at magic. So uh yeah. that's a feather in our cap that we actually managed to pull out a victory. Somehow enough, very surprisingly. Uh pretty happy about that though. Uh I love winning, as you know, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> um so then we moved on to episode one eighty, which was the most annoying cards in Commander. Uh, do you remember any of the cards we we mentioned as the most annoying cards? I think I mentioned Ristic Study just because it's on you and you oh, have to yeah. keep asking people about it. Um, yeah, I remember a... not caring as much about Sensei's Divining Top as well, but I'm pretty sure Ristic Study was up there for me. Yeah, I think I said like Aura Shards. Uh, yeah. Probably Psychonic Rift. I think Humility was up there for me as well. Oh, yeah. Um, then we moved on card. to... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we moved on to episode 181, which was the right way to net deck. And then episode 182, and we are into October now. We had an episode called Politics with the Professor. Uh, what kind of player are you? This was a really cool episode. I liked it. It was fun to just have a discussion um, about the different play styles and personality types in, you know, in gaming generally and Commander specifically. But also we, it was a tip of our hat here to the fact that we had the professor in town, and uh, I think most people understood that that meant he was going to be on an episode of Game Nights very soon thereafter. Yep, it was actually the same trip that the professor took with Wedge, uh, but we recorded just an episode with the professor here, just sort of uh, got it right in there right when they landed. Um, and that was one, that's one of my favorite episodes. I think the prof is really eloquent and says a lot of really great points here, and we also get to learn a lot about each other as players and sort of examine how we've changed since we started playing the format as well. Yeah, I wish we could have got Wedge on that episode, but the way that the flights lined up, the professor just landed like four or five hours before Wedge, and you know Wedge was coming in so late, and game nights 
it's a demanding day, the day you shoot it. And the way the schedule's lined up, we just couldn't get Wedge onto the podcast. So that's kind of an opportunity missed that uh, I wish, that, you know, that I regret. But that's just the way that, that it happened. Fortunately, we can always get him on thanks to Skype and the internet. So hopefully we're going to do that in the future as well. Because we've had Wedge on the show before and he is always a delight. Uh, episode 184, another guest came on the show. It was the magic artist Jesper Ising who uh, got to talk to us about his process, his creative process. Also, I think this is one of people's favorite episodes. Jesper is a very charismatic guy and really awesome to listen to. Um, and he had so many great stories as well. And actually, a big shout out to him. He actually sent us some of his artist proofs after the show. And so I got this lovely package in one day in the mail. I'm like, wait, what is wait, what is this? And inside he had a custom altered two reliquary towers to different seasons so the snow falling on it or you know a different season for me and josh as well as giving us some of the cards that we had played in our decks uh, and like stuff like tooth and nail and a bunch of other, his other uh, artist proofs and i love artist proofs so this was a huge honor for me to get he also included a custom sketch of reliquary tower which was i'm gonna try and get it framed and maybe we can hang it up somewhere in the set oh that would be sweet uh yeah jesper was just a great guy to have on the show and really gave a look behind the curtain as far as how the process goes for artists that are working on the game of Magic. So that's a really fun episode to listen to to get a a good inside look about how that process works. And then we moved on to Game Night's episode 11. This was with the new legendary creatures from Ixalan. We were themed around the different tribes, and this was a cosplay episode. So we had Christine Sprankle, who was... um, a vampire. What's the name of her? Vona. Vona, Vona yes. Butcher of Magan. Uh, Butcher of Magan was Christine. And then Ashlyn was Admiral Beckett Brass, the pirate. And then Jimmy and I also dipped our hat in the ring as far as cosplay. I was uh, yep. Tishana, the um, uh, voice of thunder? Yep, I think so. And I was Gashoth. Merfolk, yeah, and I was Gashoth, and I wore a dinosaur onesie, and Josh wore some, you know, like, a, a snorkel gear, essentially. Well, <laughs> <laughs> whatever my cosplay was awesome it was, it was awesome it was, it was also really hard to play magic with that cosplay which i thought was really funny <laughs> i did yeah the mask i tried at first to play with the mask on but it was just fogging up like crazy so yeah yeah we, we had to make some adjustments that was a fun episode christine and ashlyn are great um ashlyn took down the game with her admiral beckett brass really with two steel hellkites is what what did it and uh yeah that was great those steel hellkites whew, what a powerful card that was brutal that was pretty brutal all right november marks the one year anniversary of game nights which was really exciting and uh at the end of the uh, at the beginning of game nights 12 which we'll talk about in a second here we had a little birthday celebration but first we had episode 185 which was another q a episode uh, called my playgroup always targets me first i really like the q a episodes they answer a lot of uh sort of consistent questions that we get that we can't base an entire episode on, but we can definitely talk about to some extent. Episode 186, Words of Wisdom, Random Commander Advice. And then episode 187, which people liked a lot, which was Most Powerful EDH Decks. So we got to talk about the Tier 1 decks, the sort of the the big baddies of the format that you always kind of hear about, the boogeymen, but don't necessarily play that often. Yeah, that turned out to be a very popular episode. I think people, even though they don't necessarily like to play competitive EDH, they do like to know what's possible and what's out there, so... Uh, and then we moved on to Game Nights episode number 12, which was probably my favorite episode we've released so far. It was the Iconic Masters 12-pack sealed multiplayer game we played with Wedge and the Professor. Uh, and this is the game where Jimmy won and everyone got milled out. Yeah, that was... What a crazy game. Absurd. I can't believe everyone got milled out. I was like, what? I've never seen that happen before in any game where a multiplayer game where everyone got milled out and that's how everyone lost. And we all laughed at the prof for having a 40 card deck, but 
everyone ended up getting milled out regardless. <laughs> it was. It's just a great game, and it reminded me how uh, I used to play Magic when I was younger, which is everybody didn't have all the cards, and you would kind of just play with the cards you had, and we didn't have exact you know rules as far as like Commander didn't exist then, so it was just like, but we always played multiplayer. It also has one of the, I think, the moments I laughed the hardest at, which is when Prof is all like, what, Josh, you think you can do that again to me? You think I'm not prepared for it? And I'm like, yeah, but the trigger's on attack. So you can't. Yeah, you can't stop, stop. it. And he just immediately goes, uh, our, um, uh, what can I do to help you, sir? <laughs> just yeah. Me. <laughs> Perfect example of why I love Commander in multiplayer formats. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun episode. And, you know, Wedge and Prof are just two great guys and just, you know, getting to hang out with them was awesome. Yeah. All right, let's move on into December. Now, before we talk about the episodes in December, a quick shout out to a listener and her fiance that watched the show. Her fiance, Scott of Rachel Hellman, uh, messaged the show and said that uh, she actually teaches at a children's center and teaches a bunch of kids and they love playing magic and they also love watching game nights. And uh, I, uh, she sent over some picture and uh, they're going to be featured on the show now. Uh, we got this back in December, so I'm glad we're finally able to sort of give these kids a little time in the sun. She has, okay, I'll read this. I currently have about 40 kids playing Magic, but only a handful were able to get parental permission to be in the, in the photographs. I took a bunch. You can use whichever ones you want. So we're going to put some up here right now. These kids are super cute. Um, the kids are really excited. They are all, you can see them like looking through cards, fanning their, their decks out and watching us on the big screen behind them in this, in this room. It's, it's like something when I saw, it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the most heartwarming thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, and then she also wrote one last thing. The kid in the green long sleeve shirt insisted. I tell you that he does quote, good luck dabs for draws end quote. He also <laughs> loves the show so much. He was watching it at home and introducing the kids to everyone on the show going like, that's Josh, that's Jimmy, that's Mel. So obviously this kid really loves the show. He dabs so that he gets good luck on his draws. Um, super cute. Uh, I love the fact that, that the show is able to be watched by people that, you know, are of all ages, literally. Uh, and that was really fun and really, really heartwarming to see. Yeah. I can't think of any greater feedback I, we could ever get for the show than this. This is, uh, it's the cutest thing. And the smiles on the kids' faces, like, wow. Um, it, it washes away all of the people that complain when we don't play Commander. The, these kids love the show. That's all that matters. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's great. Thank you for sending the pictures. Pictures. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel and Scott, both for uh, also supporting the show. All right, moving on. Episode 188, Unstable, was on the way. So we talked about unstable cards in Commander, how we would legalize them. And, of course, they were all legalized very shortly after, <laughs> with a few exceptions. So the episode was still a fun thought experiment for us, and I still think that the way that we did it would have been a more uh, elegant way of testing it without having to put like a hard end cap on when the rules would go back into effect. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I really wish they would have done the little commander symbol on the corner of like the legendary creatures or something. I think that would have been very eloquent. The, they would have been playable forever, um, and I think it would have been fine as far as power level. Yeah, definitely. And then Game Night's number 13. Now, this was a dream of an episode because we got to do Unstable Draft with... The one and only Mark Rosewater and Gavin Verhey also came back to guest on the show in a non-Arch Enemy format. Uh, this was a ton of fun. Playing with Mark, that's a dream come true. He was such a fun guy to have on set, and he knew the set so well. I've been working on it for six-plus years, so really a dream come true. Yeah, I want to give a big shout-out to Mark because he's one of the people that's maybe most responsible besides Richard Garfield and a handful of others for you know this game that we all love. and. And we love it so much that, you know, Jimmy and I have spent a huge chunk of time over the last, what, three, four years um, creating content for it. And we know you guys have spent a huge chunk of time playing it and listening and consuming content. 
And we're not the only ones. There's tons of people like us. And a lot of that is directly attributable to Mark and people like him. And his passion yeah. for the game of Magic is just, I mean, you can't. there's no words to describe it. The guy, he loves the game and he loves what he does. And we should, you know, he, he kind of reminds me of Rob in that the way that once he starts to talk about Magic or discuss Magic, that's, you can tell, that's what Mark's meant to sort of do in life. Like he's found his calling and, and, and he knows it. And um, yeah, he's just an inspire. Yeah. he's just an inspiring guy. You know, just the yep. way he he approaches creativity and everything. He's one of those people you can talk to. You know, he could have been in our creative process episode not talking about magic, and, and you could learn a ton from that guy. So nothing but respect for him. The guy used to write for Roseanne on TV. You know, yeah. like he's he's been around the block. He's done a lot of different things. He's had some really famous talks at GDC and stuff as well. So, yeah, awesome to be around him. It's a great way of putting it. I do want to say, too, that Unstable has been a really big hit, and it's one of those things that most people did not think that set was going to do well, and it's just... It's just a really big testament to how creativity works and how following your passion and your passion projects can really pay off in the end. So kudos to that guy. Yeah, big kudos. All right, uh, episode 189 was building Unstable Decks. So we talked about a couple of the legends that we would build around Baron Von Doom, Count, Count Doom, Count of Doom. Uh, Baron as well Von as X, Count, yeah. Van Count, yeah. Uh, and then episode 190, we talked about this earlier in the show, would be lessons from the Great War. So we talked about the lead up to World War One and how you can apply some of the historical lessons there and what happened to how a, a commander game works. Yeah, it's interesting that we began the year almost with the Machiavellian episode and we ended it with the World War One episode, which are sort of, they're in the same family as far as types of... Uh, episodes that they are and the response to the le uh, lessons from the great war episode has been really good and but it's similar to Machiavelli where I think that a lot of people just assume that won't be their bag uh, but I, I I guarantee if you try it um, I think you're going to like it better than you think even if you know listening to people talk about history does not sound interesting I think we did make it interesting I think so too all right, uh, that brings us up to current day so now we're going to do this bit of the show where we just talk about the best ofs so we'll try and go through this a little quickly because otherwise this episode will last forever. So let's talk about the best new Planeswalker. Our uh, competitors this year are Nicol Bolas, God Pharaoh, Liliana, Death's Majesty, Nissa, Steward of Elements, and Vraska, Relic Seeker. I think we can all agree that Nicol Bolas, God Pharaoh, is by far the most powerful. Yeah, I think so. The, uh, there wasn't really any great ones this year. Um, yeah. Nicol Bolas is definitely the best of them, although pretty expensive CMC-wise, so... Yeah, uh, it, it definitely is. But the impact, because it does say each opponent on that yeah, card, true. and he could also obviously clearly beat every other Planeswalker on the list <laughs> in, in the Magic world, <laughs> and has, point. except for Vraska, so... Um, let's talk about our best preview card that was not a reprint. So we had Unesh, Kraus Sphinx Sovereign, Rishkar's Expertise, Neheb the Worthy, and Fortunate Few. Yeah, this... I think it's Rishkar's expertise. I think so too. It's either that or Unesh, but I think Rishkar's expertise because it can just go in a lot more decks is not specific and in general is just on the card itself, straight value. Yeah, I've definitely seen this one cast the most too out of the other ones. Um, I've seen Unesh, an Unesh deck once. I've seen only your Neheb deck. I've never seen anybody cast Fortunate Few, but Rishkar's expertise definitely sees play. Yeah. Oh, I like this one. Best level up episode. Episode 141, Machiavellian Machinations. Or was it episode 156, The Importance of Mana Curve? Or maybe it was episode 149, The Creative Process with Rob Pryor. 
Or was it perhaps episode 189, Lessons from the Great War? I don't know. What do you think is our best level level up episode? Probably the mana curve, even though my heart goes out to the creative process. But I think the importance of mana curve is just something that you can apply to literally every format of Magic the Gathering. So I'm okay with that one. Yeah, I think my personal favorite of those is the creative process um, with Rob. But I think as far as like for our show and our podcast, which is a commander podcast, importance of mana curve, I agree. Uh, the Definitely. next the next category was the best moment from game nights. So we've nominated four moments. Uh, one is Jimmy with his price of glory sacrificing his own lands. Um, Cassius with his turn three Ugin. I always imagine that Ugin hitting the battlefield, like you know, in Hearthstone, how like cards hit the battlefield and they like oh, they yeah, hit they, so yeah. hard that they like, <laughs> yeah, that like an earthquake happens. That's how it felt when Cassius played uh, that turn three Ugin. There's um, <laughs> there's me with my awesome throw with the slaying mantis. Uh, <laughs> uh, I hope that doesn't win. And then there's Christine. <laughs> there's the Christine and Ashlyn cosplay from Ixalan. I mean, they their cosplay was incredible. It was like Hollywood level costume yeah and to a certain degree our cosplay uh, in comparison i'd like to do a um, write-in ballot for your drinking of the salt as well okay we can maybe mix that with price of glory because i definitely <laughs> got salty about that i just didn't show it as much um i think i'm gonna go with the cosplay from christine and ashlyn i think that really showcased a different part of the community that we don't talk about uh almost ever on the show and it was such an impressive way to also really showcase it you know, in terms of like, you got full video of this the entire time, you know, you really got to watch these costumes in, in action and see just how detailed and awesome they were. And I, I thought that game of Commander was also really, really good. So I'm going to definitely vote for the Ixalan cosplay is my favorite moment of Game Nights. Mm, that's a good one. But I, I'm going to go with Cassius and his turn three Ugin. That's just, that's the most Commander thing on the list as far as like those are the moments you play for is when you just pull off something crazy super early and the whole table's like oh uh, uh. yeah very true very true all right let's talk about the best reprint that happened this year uh they all came from modern masters or iconic masters because those were the both the high most high value and i think the best cards so we had snapcaster mage and modern masters along with cavern of souls and liliana of the veil and in iconic masters we had oblivion stone as well as mana drain my immediate vote goes to Mana Drain just because it's a card that's been out of print for the longest, but Snapcaster Mage is also right up there. Yeah, I got to go with Mana Drain. It was super expensive, too, the most expensive card on this list by far before they reprinted it. Um, you know, I think it's a little bit unfortunate because of the way the sets rolled out, and they were kind of all on top of each other here at the end of the year that Iconic Masters didn't get a lot of press and a lot of play. In fact, we didn't even do our normal, like, set overview for it or anything. We just didn't have time. Yeah, um, we didn't. So, yeah, Mana Drain is kind of, well, it's one of those cards that would have been in every deck with blue before, but most people just couldn't afford it, and there are going to be more yep. of them now. So maybe that's bad, actually. <laughs> it is one of the best counter spells ever made. So Yep. Yeah, the next category is best new card. And by this, we're going to only say new cards that can't be your commander. So we've got Teferi's Protection, Growing Rights of Itlamok, which is the enchantment that flips over and becomes Guy's Cradle, Paradox Engine, Spell Swindle, which was the fair, quote-unquote, mana drain, Anointed Procession, which is the white parallel lives, and then Mirage Mirror, which is kind of a, which is an artifact clone. The copy thing. Copy, copy thing. Man, that's a lot of really good cards. This is a tough one, actually. 
Yeah, I still think Teferi's protection has to be the best out of all of them, though. Instant speed, just pure don't lose the game card, and not many of those exist without ultra downside, so pretty cool. I mean, Anointed Procession is pretty neat, too, because it's an effect that White hasn't seen in that cheap of a card. You know, like, that. that's awesome what Anointed Procession does, but I, I think Teferi's protection, even over something like Paradox Engine. Yeah, I think, oh boy. Paradox Engine is probably the most powerful. I agree with that. Teferi's protection is very unique. Um, it, uh, but so is Paradox Engine. But Ter- Teferi's protection is, it's an effect that I think the game needs a little bit more of. Something that punishes um, Cyclonic Rifts and whatnot like that. Mm-hmm. Growing Rights of Itlamok is sort of a functional reprint of one of the most powerful cards in the game. Boy. Uh, those, it's somewhere in those three, I believe. I, I'm going to go, hmm. I'm going to go with Paradox Engine, I think. I just think it's the most raw, powerful, and it's also um, colorless, so it can go in right. any deck. Although you have to have the right deck. You can't just go in any deck, right? You have to have non-land permanents that want to be untapped. So it's a little bit specific, but in the decks, it's good, and it's amazing. Yep, I agree with that. Um, all right, let's talk about the best new commander. We have the Ur-Dragon, the five-color Ur-Dragon. We have Ramos, Dragon Engine. Kess, Dissident Mage. Marisol the Pretender, or the Locust God. This one's tough. Um, I am going to say Ramos, because he's five color. However, <laughs> I would also say Locust God is up there in terms of uh, sheer power level. My favorite of these is Marisol, because it has to do with tapping and untapping stuff, which is my favorite thing. But I believe the most powerful is probably Kess, Dissident Mage. Um, it's just the type of commander... Recurring things from the graveyard like Carador and whatnot that we've seen be broken. Although I, I got to say, I haven't run into a Kess deck out in the wild yet. Uh, yeah, so that's just my gut. Good stuff. Uh, best overall episode. This one's tougher. We got Machiavellian Machinations, our Commander Summit episode, the creative process with Rob Pryor, the most powerful decks, or the Commander Deck Building Template. Uh, I didn't give it to it last time, but then giving it to it now, the creative process by far... I think the best overall episode we did just because we went to a different location. We had live art going on behind us. We had an interview. We talked about so much stuff that we normally don't. I loved it. Yeah. If there's an episode that goes, that's not like all the other episodes, you can find another one of our episodes that it's at least similar to, right? Yeah. But not that one. The creative process episode is stands alone. You can't point to another one of our episodes and say, we've done an episode like that. So from that aspect, I'm with you. The creative process uh, it's my personal favorite. I don't know if it's our best. Our best might be the commander deck building template. Um, you know, if one mm-hmm. of the missions of the show is to, you know, shepherd people into the commander format, show them how fun it can be, encourage them in the ways that will, you know, make them enjoy it, then that sort of, you know, accomplishes that goal maybe more than the true. other episodes. I don't know. True, true. All right, let's 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 talk about the best game nights episode. We have number five, which was Professor Melissa de Tora. Number six, which is Cassius, his turn three Ugin, and Mel Lee with the Amonkhet Legends. Number 11, Christine Sprankle and Ashlyn Rose join us for the Ixalan Legends. Number 12, Wedge and Prof for Iconic Masters Sealed. And number 13, the Unstable Draft with Mark Rosewater. All right, Josh, I'll let you go first. I've already said the Wedge and Prof Iconic Masters Sealed uh, episode is probably my favorite. I think we have to give it up for Unstable Draft because it was a unique challenge that you and Terry really figured out on the other end and made something that 
could have been so incredibly confusing and especially like unstable and made it clear and really easy for people to understand. And I think that that's incredibly, incredibly cool. Well, I appreciate it. That was, I, I mean, I don't know, we haven't talked about it, but that was easily the hardest uh, to edit of all of them for sure. Um, so much going on that set and we'd never done draft before. So it was definitely a challenge. Uh, yeah. Okay. You did something interesting here. Oh, yes. I uh, So, because I was going through and listing all the episodes and going through all of them and you know, being like, oh, how did this game end or whatever? I was like, oh, I could start tracking who won the games. So I did a Game Night's win and loss uh, percentage uh, for only the Commander or multiplayer games. So no Arch Enemy or Two-Headed Giant because I don't think those are fair representations of you know multiplayer. So these are only in multiplayer games. Josh and I obviously have played the most, having played now 15 games on camera this year. I think this actually counts last year as well. So it's 15 or 16. I may be off by a couple of numbers. Um, Josh has won six out of those 15 games. Pretty good. That's almost 50%, Josh. Some of um, those games we played, on the early episodes, we played two games. So there's more than 15 games total. Uh, th- this does count those as well. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I think so, at least. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah, because there's a couple of extra episodes where we have a couple of oh, games, you're right. and then we do the Arch Enemy one, so about 15. I may have to re- go back and redo it again, or if someone <laughs> has a more accurate number, let me know. I- I'm too tired, too. But the number um, of wins is right. Yeah, I've won four times out of 15. Um, Josh Kim has won one out of four, and Craig, unfortunately, zero out of four. Um... But the funny thing is, the the people obviously with the best win percentages are the ones that have been on the fewest number of games. So right now, Ashlyn Rose is our all-time top winner on Game Nights with a 100% win rate, being on one show, playing one game, and winning it. She's tied with Melissa DeTora, also uh, one show, one game, and winning it. But spoiler alert. No, no, no. Oh, yeah, but yeah, Melissa DeTora. Sorry, I thought you meant Melly for a second. Yeah, no. Um, spoiler alert. Uh, I don't know if we've ever said this on the show. We did film a second game with Melissa DeTora and Prof. And someday we do plan to release that game as its own episode. So, you know, look forward to that someday. Yeah. So who knows if she'll keep up her 100% win rate. She's pretty good at magic. She's pretty good at magic. Right. Let's look ahead. What does 2018 look like for the Command Zone and Game Nights? What do we hope to achieve and accomplish well, I mean, hopefully a lot. Josh, do you want to talk about what Game Nights is going to look like next year? You know, to be totally transparent, we're still in discussions with Wizards as far as what that sponsorship will continue, how that's going to roll out, and everything like that. I think we're going to continue along our normal philosophical path of continued improvement and evolution. One of the things we did for a recent episode was we really wanted to improve our overhead camera for the show. We weren't happy with, uh, we'd been using a GoPro and we'd had a little bit of trouble with it. We weren't happy with the resolution quality. So we've, you know, taken a step in that direction. And I think you guys know us by now. We're going to consistently, you know, peck away at the little things that are bugging us about the show or that we think can improve. And and over time, we'll just target stuff like that and just keep picking it off. Um, And I can see improvements to our set and improvements to our, you know, Obviously, we've improved the, the 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 special guests. I don't want to say improved, but we've been able to reach farther away and bring people in, and we want to continue to do things like that. And uh, we've improved our visual effects and the, the card animations, and that's something that Terry and I are always working on. Continue to you know make look better and and figure out how to v- visually represent things in a sort of more dynamic manner. Um, so yeah, just growing that show and keeping it you know afloat. Is, is a really big thing. Yeah, I hope so too as well. Um, 
there's this is going to be a pretty crazy year i think for me personally and you guys are going to find out a lot more about that as the year progresses but i mean my main thing is i want to be able to play more commander and be able to really speak proficiently about the format because i feel like i've I've dragged behind a little bit on a lot of things just because i haven't experienced as much of the game as i used to when we first started and had a lot more free time but hopefully all these things will work out in a way that we can uh we can make the show still work and bring you guys the same amount of content and of course uh we'll continue to hopefully level up stuff as we go as well yeah, yeah. I I really hope this year too could maybe see us, you know, maybe maybe kitchen table fables. We can get a couple of those done or something like that. See us branch out again and and do some more fun stuff that's outside our current wheelhouse. Um, you know, Jimmy and I we're restless guys. We don't like to we don't like to tread water very much. So to me, it's like nope. uh, trying to get game nights to the point where it it can kind of be a little bit more self-sufficient and we can we've brought in some help with terry and some other people obviously and i'm hoping it can get to the point where i'm not using quite as much time for that and then i'll have that time freed up and uh, be able to do some some more stuff so that's exciting yeah very exciting all right that was an episode let's move on to the listeners let us know what your favorite command zone moment of 2017 was and of course very importantly what do you hope that we do more of in 2018 would love to know uh what you guys think we should you know pop in more of what what do you think we should do more of tell yeah, us yeah yeah you know you know how i just said we're always looking to improve and evolve and usually that's us looking at our own stuff and being critical and saying i think this i think that but it does it is helpful when we hear from you guys hey uh, it'd be nice if you guys did this or did did that or more of this or whatever because that's an outside perspective that we don't necessarily have so in the comments again on twitter email whatever let us know Definitely. All right. Once again, this show is brought to you by and has been all of 2017 by cardkingdom.com slash command zone. That's the affiliate link. Please, 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 please use that link if you are going to cardkingdom.com. If you're going to buy singles, sealed product, whatever else, it really helps out the show. Uh, we uh, have been working with Card Kingdom for so long. They've been so awesome to us. I've been up to the store now multiple times throughout the year just because I go every time I come up to Seattle just because I like the store that much. And they're online uh, section is just as good. So again, cardkingdom.com slash command zone. Also make sure you pick up your magic products through ultra pro. They make the card sleeves, the play mats, the deck boxes, all themed to whatever the current set is. You can find, you know, iconic masters, unstable, pretty soon rivals of Ixlon. They also make the awesome eclipse sleeves, which are bar none, the best sleeves in the business. If you haven't tried them out, highly recommend the shuffle feel is to die for. Make sure you buy Ultra Pro products to support both Game Nights and the Command Zone podcast. Okay, it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. I do have something, Jimmy, if you don't. Hit me. Okay, so there's a book series we've talked about before on the show that I really enjoy. It's called Red Rising. It's by Pierce Brown. There's three books in that series, and there's a brand new book coming out. It's called Iron Gold. Uh, I believe it comes out on January. Oh, I might get the date a little bit wrong, like 17th or 18th, in a couple of weeks from when you're hearing this. And so as a result, I was getting ready for that book to come out, and I decided to read the three books in the series that come before it um, over the holiday. And so I just wanted to say that series is really good. It's called Red Rising. And uh, if you read it now, there's going to be a brand new book in a couple of weeks. Ooh, very nice. Yeah, so keep up on that. If you like, like, Ender's Game, which is one of my favorite books of all time, this is for you. Oh, perfect. I love Ender's Game. Yeah. Great book. Bad movie. movie. Good book. Yeah. <laughs> bad, bad sequels, too, honestly. But the first book, oof, what a great book. 
What a great book. And a great podcast that you should check out is the Masters of Modern. <laughs> Masters of Modern. Alice Kessler, Ben Bateman, they co-host the show. Uh, they talk about the modern format, all things competitive magic. You can find them right next to us at collected.company. And you can also follow them on Twitter at the MMCast. And our editor for the show, Terry Robertson, he edits the video and audio podcast of the show, which you can find at youtube.com slash the command zone podcast. And as always, a big thanks to Jeffrey Palmer at Living Cards MTG, who does the Living Card animations that start and end our show, and occasionally the backgrounds behind us as we podcast and play on game nights. So big thank you to all of those guys. And of course, a big thank you to you, the listener, the viewer, the person that's been with us this entire year. If you've missed some episodes, we hope that this will be a great way for you to recap and go back and find the ones that maybe you've missed or have a interest peaked in. And, uh, you know, we can't thank you enough for the support that you've given us throughout all of these years. It's been our third, almost fourth year of the podcast now. Pretty crazy to think about. Uh, but you know what? I love it. And I love you guys. Yeah, I do want to give a big thanks to everybody out there. It's been a really big year for us. You know, we started the year at about 20,000 subscribers on YouTube. We're well past 100,000 now. The growth has been crazy. A lot of it's due to game nights, obviously, but a lot of you have stuck around to listen to the uh, podcast, which we really appreciate. And uh, we thank you for coming back each and every week. All right. We'll see you all next year. All right. Peace. Man, how do we end the year with you saying peace? Oh, no. Uh, uh, you say it. No, you just said it. You just ended it. Oh, all right. Okay, I feel better, I guess. <laughs>